0: Hey guys, welcome back. I am Stephanie Goss and this is another episode of the Uncharted podcast. This week on the podcast, Andy and I are very excited to have a very special guest with us, Dr. Jennifer Quammen from TeleVet. For those of you guys who don't know what TeleVet is, they are a telemedicine, teletriage company, but they really have branched out during COVID into offering support for hospitals with the entire Workflow process, um, really from start to finish. So. They've got a ton of new features, and we're going to talk about that a little bit in the episode, but mostly we wanted to have a conversation with Dr. Jen as a practicing veterinarian, myself and Andy, to talk through some of the things that came out of our having experienced this last year of COVID hell, and what are the things that we're most excited about continuing to use and um, grow within our practices, and things that we think are here to stay. So please join us.
1: And now, the Uncharted Podcast.
2: And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke, and Stephanie, hold on to that feeling, us. <laughs> How are you, my friend? I am good. How are you, Andy? I'm super good. We have our friend, Dr. Jennifer Quammen, with us today. Yeah. And we are going to be talking about the normalcy as much as we talk about normalcy and emerging (laughs) from the pandemic and what we want to keep going forward.
0: Yeah, I am super excited about this because Jen and I were talking last week. And uh, so Jen is the chief veterinary officer with TeleVet. And we met her, I met her through our work with Uncharted, but she and I were talking last week and we were talking about this episode prep and we got super nerdy, super fast. And I was like, oh, this is going to be perfect.
2: It's going <laughs> so is fun go
0: to have a conversation with you, Annie, and I. It will be like three Muppets on parade.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. This is good.
1: Well, Jen, thanks for being with us. <laughs> Thank you so much. I don't know which puppet I want to be yet, but I'm going to think about
2: that for a minute. <laughs> yeah. We- <laughs> plenty of room. Bring your own spices. I love it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, tell tell us a little bit. Hold on, before we before we before we start unpacking, uh, curbside and and keeping things after the pandemic, uh, can you tell me a little bit about your journey to televet? So you're still in practice, right? Yeah,
1: I sure am. Um, yeah, happy to give you the Cliff's Notes versions of that, or is that too of an old school reference? Now it might be. I don't know if Cliff's Notes are still around. Um, yeah, so I'm a practicing veterinarian. I'm located in Kentucky, is where I consider home, but I kind of migrate around for uh, veterinary work. And uh, I've known the founders of TeleVet for a number of years, since probably 2014 or so, maybe a little before after that, a little before probably, um, and had done some advising, had been involved in sort of what is telemedicine? What does telehealth look like on the background? Uh, Done some work with AVMA in a volunteer capacity and sort of just through those relationships, it's kind of developed into a more formal relationship in 2020. So had done some advising for them. But yeah, that's that's kind of how the relationship uh, started is like all good things. uh, Friend of a friend of a friend and conversation goes and um, it's rare that I don't meet someone and have something to talk about. So, but I do still practice uh, and uh, mostly small animal, mostly surgeries and procedures are predominantly what I do clinically. Gotcha. I
2: mean, televet's tele really interesting because they sort of came into vet medicine at the, at early, before the pandemic, uh, obviously came in, oh, mm-hmm. and they sort of came with a telemedicine app. Mm-hmm. And then they, maybe more than anybody, have really evolved based on the feedback that they got and what's going on in the practices. Can you talk uh, about that a little bit about sort of Let's go, let's do it sort of chronologically. So they start off as sort of an app. Let's let's talk through sort of the evolution of TeleVet to where they are today and what they do.
1: Yeah, happy to do that. Um, I I can take you back to the really old school, like where it started before it was even small animal oriented. Um, but I won't bore you with all of those details. But there's an equine story at the very beginning. I'll just leave you with that. Uh, if you want to know, if you want to know more, uh, ping me or ping Stephen Carter or Price Fallon. They'll happily tell you the story and show you the pictures. So, um, it, so what it evolved into, what TeleVet involved uh, was a vetter was an application. For veterinary practices to do telemedicine, teletriage within the practice walls, if that makes sense, the walls being sort of metaphorical, not literal. Um, And so this was a way for vets and their teams to connect with pet owners um, in a a secure way, you know, from a technological standpoint of not giving away your private information, um, being able to collect some money for things that we're doing in terms of triaging or doing after hours or even during the day, uh, telemedicine cases. And that is what we now sort of call like our legacy app or internally, we call it 1.0, right? Because we're sort of in this (laughs) 2.0 technology now. so we. Emerged in—it's uh, been again. The app's been around for a long time. You can still find it on the app store, and it evolved probably springish, summerish of 2020. What we were seeing as practices were utilizing the app and sort of. F- forcing it in some ways to help do some of the other things we needed outside of telemedicine in terms of communication. And we've evolved into this really like fully encompassing uh, communication platform is how I like to think of it. So TeleVet Flow is the major platform, um, and that's a place where you can communicate back and forth with um, other veterinarians. You can communicate internally with your team. You can talk to your clients so you can uh, video chat with them. You can audio chat with them. You can text message with them. You can still capture, you know, the financials. So it's really this all-encompassing platform now that synchronizes with your existing uh, practice management system. So most of us are familiar with Avamar, Cornerstone, you know, things of that nature. And so what Flow is able to do is actually read into your schedule right now, pull in those appointments. And essentially, it's doing all of the communication for those appointments by reading what's already happening in your practice management system. So I think hopefully I explained that in a reasonable way. Yeah. yeah.
2: No no that that gets that definitely gets me where where I need to be. All right. So let's start talking about how that is going. So tell me as as you guys have been rapidly growing, correct?
1: Yeah. So yeah. So the team is now um into the dozens and uh if we look back at uh, again early uh, late 2019 uh the team was about 3. Uh and so yeah, so there's been a, a more than 10x uh size increase in the team for sure.
2: Okay. We well, you know Let's So let's start to take that. Let's start to talk a bit about the pandemic. You know, there's there's been a number of things. The pandemic has obviously been very, very challenging, uh, especially for people at an individual level and then also at a professional level, right? We saw a massive increase in caseload. People have been really busy. Uh, there's a lot of stress that our team is bringing into the building because they have home stress. And our clients are also bu- bringing their stress. And we've had, you know, client communication has been challenging. Uh, people uh, can get kind of emotional about not being able to come to the building or wearing masks and things like that, Uh There have been a lot of hardships. There have also been, I think, a lot of really good things. And so there are things I think this pandemic has pushed us forward in a lot of ways. And I, I think our use of technology is one of those things, right? I think a lot of people who were not open to uh, digital communication with clients, and I'm, I'm even talking about text messaging mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. There were a, how many clinics got on board with text messaging because of the pandemic it, It's pretty much required. If you're going to do curbside, you better have some text messaging because otherwise your phone is just going to be ringing off the hook. Um, but, but man, I I really do feel like the, the forward push that we got in technology was one of my favorite uh, is one of the, the best things I think is going to come out of our profession because of this pandemic.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I think uh, I'm not a tech averse person uh, in general. Right. I'm a little bit of an outlier veterinarian. I think in that way, um, sort of part of this quantified self movement and things, if you really want to get totally tech. Nerdy, um, I can go there with you, um, and so <laughs> you can you guys can look up QS, and then you'll be like, oh, okay, I get what a
0: weird person that I'm <laughs> dealing with here.
1: Um, but yeah, I totally agree. I think the concept of us utilizing technology, and and we were utilizing technology, like we're using phones, we're using you know all those things are communication, but it really has, in some ways, forced us to up our game to a certain degree. And I think that it's the way so many of us communicate now just in general in the world, right? I can text back and forth with the person that cuts my hair and, you know, all those things. So why would it not be natural that we can do that with our clients and our clients can do that with us? Now, I do think we have boundaries on that, right? That's a different, mm-hmm. that's a different side of the conversation. Um, but I do think in some ways it was sort of a forced growth in the overall veterinary industry who, by nature, we tend to be a little bit... Slower to jump on to new technologies. We tend to be a little bit more conservative. We want to make sure things are working before we dive in Uh, because some of the things we do, there's pretty dire consequences if things don't go well. So, um, but I think we've learned, and I think most practices, to your point, are at least uh, texting back and forth with their pet owners.
2: Yep. Yeah. You know, the service of curbside is actually an interesting piece of the technology that I look at a lot. Like I don't think curbside's going away. Mm-mm. I, I talked to some some of the higher ups at Banfield and they're they're like, you know, our clients really like it and I don't think it's gonna probably go away. And again, that's sort of off the record casual conversation. It, it may not be where Mars ultimately goes, but but they seem fairly uh fairly comfortable that In some way, shape or form, curbside would continue. I look at a lot of uh, other practices and like the truth is the staff likes doing curbside appointments. A lot of the clients are happy to stay in their car just looking at their phone and just get this taken care of. Uh, I think about how many clinics have been hamstrung by a lack of exam rooms. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many clinics and they'd be like, we have three exam rooms. We do not have room to expand. Uh, we we can't do anything. We have to add an ADA bathroom if we were going to you know, do any sort of renovation and we can't do that and blah, blah, blah. And, and they're just locked into what they have. And the idea that curbside exists is just, God, it's a game changer as far as their capacity and their ability to see cases. And I go, this is massive. I, I think the way that we gracefully service Curbside is is going to be part of the key to success. Uh, I think uh, I think sort of the uh, the quaint way is going to be walking out to the car and talking to uh, to the people. And I think that's good when we can do it. But what we give up in curbside, I think a lot of people, myself included, are, are really sort of looking at and rolling around. I don't want to lose that relationship, mm-hmm. right? And and I feel like. When the person stays in their car and I don't talk to them, they don't necessarily see the value in what I do in the way that they would before. And they don't know me as a person the way they would if they talked to me for a half an hour or 20 minutes uh, you know, in the exam room. And so I think the way that we integrate telemedicine along with curbside in order to gain trust and show clients value is going to be critical. And so let me, let me ask you about this. Where do you see this going as far as ongoing curbside and then using technology support of that service
1: yeah i I feel like that's like a softball for me um i think so i I agree with you the practices that i work in i we feel like our clients are going to want many of them are still going to want curbside because i have so many people that are like it's great. I can drop the dog. Well, they, they know, like, and trust us, right. They're going to drop off their dog, cat, whatever, run over to get the groceries and then come back. Right. And so it's this almost, uh, I won't say it's, it's sort of reverse concierge, right. It's like an extended drop off in a way. Um, so I do think there's a lot of demand for it. And, and we can talk about like, what does that mean in terms of like, does it financially look different for practices to offer that or not? I mean, that's a whole different conversation to have because to your point, the capacity of the building curbside has let us sort of stretch the capacity and it's sort of beyond those walls yeah. to a certain degree. Um, for me, I think the the like where it's going and what's gonna, you know, how do we kind of um, honor that relationship? Because I do think that's the most important thing. Like the fun things for me are, I love to video chat with the client. I'm not at all afraid of just being on a camera and being funny and being goofy, right? Like that's mm-hmm. cool with me. And some people are great with that and some are not, but to the ones that are not, I can still like text emojis back and forth with and like send gifts. And like, I feel like that expresses my personality as much to a certain degree as being in an exam room with somebody and being stressed because I know the next clients in the next room. So it is morphing how we interact with people, but I think it's actually Mm -hmm. giving us deeper layers in some ways because it's letting me and our teams continue to communicate outside of those walls. So outside of just that 30 minutes twice a year that they're coming in maybe I can now have more of a a kind of back and forth ongoing communication about the wellness, the health, the concern, the whatever with that patient outside of just that exam room experience. So I do think it gives us different opportunities. Is it for everyone? No. Um, But I think there's some some really great ways that we can actually even make that bond um, between the veterinarian and the pet owner um, and the rest of the team even better, in my opinion.
2: I need to sit with that a little bit. I, you know, thinking about... Extroverted people, for example, mm-hmm. and saying, "Oh man, this is a this is a way, this is a way of communicating where you get to sit with your thoughts a bit longer, be more intentional in exactly what you're sharing and how you're sharing it." I can see real upsides to that. It does make sense to me that. You know, so as you said, it is dependent on the individual. So mm-hmm. no, I, I hadn't I didn't consider that. Now I'm going to have to I'm going to have to sit and think with it a little bit.
1: Yeah, I like I'll just dovetail like one of the thoughts that I mean to cut you off. One of the things that like came to me was like thinking about texting back and forth with pet owners like our teams have felt like the technical staff, for example, when a question comes in on a teletriage, right? And we'll talk about, like, we're not going to dive necessarily into the depths of triage versus medicine, right? But if something comes in the door and this is someone that has a question and it used to be, hey, there's a phone call for Dr. Jen because it's a dog that has diarrhea or whatever the case may be. Now that phone call starts, it then goes filtering through my team and they can include and ask questions back and forth of that client. Doing that over um, asynchronous communication, so over a texting, Gives my team a moment to think. Okay, how do I respond to this? Like, maybe it's a question I don't know. Maybe they have to come ask me, and I can help them utilize some phraseology to send that back out in a way that's professional but makes sense. So, in some ways, it doesn't put that person on the spot that you've got to make that answer right this minute. It gives you a second to, like, okay, I want to think about read it and then respond back without having to feel that pressure of they're right in front of me. They're in the room right now. You know. So, I do think for different personalities, it's going to expect kind of you know come off different ways.
2: I, w- I want to unpack this a little bit. Sorry, go ahead, Stephanie.
0: Oh, I was just going to say, I think I think one of the other problems that that solves too, Jen, is so many of us have hired massive amounts of new staff since mm-hmm. COVID, right? Like everybody has experienced turnover and we've all been experiencing this massive growth. And so a lot of us have new team members yeah. and we're trying to train and we are all going to have to face the reality that we've now trained kind of a whole new generation of team members who've never been in the exam room with the clients, Mm -hmm, right? So that is a hurdle that is coming. But to your point, I love the fact that I can slow down and do that training to teach them the right things to say in real time versus Feeling the pain and discomfort both on their part and my part as I stand outside the exam room and hear them awkwardly bumble through trying to explain that to a client, right? I have the ability to say, well, "Let's let's talk about that. Let's here's here's what I would say to that client and help them craft the response in a way that takes the pressure off." And I I love that piece of it, and I think that it's one that's going to be really beneficial for a lot of. Uh, a lot of clinics. Yeah. And the
1: even better yet is having like those pre, you know, again, we've all had scripts and things set aside for like, what do you say when someone calls and you don't have an appointment available, right? You can give some scripts and not that that's to say everybody's going to be robotic and say the same thing, but it gives you some boundaries, at least to start with. Like some people really need that little starter for the conversation and then they're fine. They just need a little help to get going.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Another one of the things that I'm really excited about, coming out of the pandemic because I think I think this pandemic really pushed us to do a better job of delegating. And when I say I, say, I think I'm thinking specifically of veterinarians I, I think the caseload that we've had has really pushed people to the point where they can't just do all the things. There's too many cases they're having to give up more than they have in the past to their support staff. They're having to rely more on other people. And those that are not doing that I think are, are paying a price. Um, I think it's been a really hard year for people who don't want to delegate to their team and leverage their support staff. So it's I'm optimistic that a lot of us got pushed that way and i don't necessarily know that we're going to slide back i think once you realize that you can use your team and get more done and be more comfortable i I don't see people picking that burden back up walk with me a bit through sort of the the workflow that you were just sort of laying out so the idea of being able to spread this workflow flow across my team is it's very it's very attractive to me Mm -hmm. for, for two reasons number one um, I'm a big fan of setting up systems in the practice where uh, just the work that comes in just gets chipped away until it gets to me. And then I have these small things to do because my very competent, well-trained staff has just taken off pieces and pieces and pieces and pieces of the work that they are comfortable doing and do well so that it's not, you know, I, I'm getting just the remnants of the last things that only I, the veterinarian can talk to. So I, I like that a lot. The other part that I really like a lot is I very much want to, continue to empower our support staff. Mm-hmm. I I like uh, my technicians to be able to practice at the top of their certification. And, uh, you know, and, and I, I want to make those things happen. And, and I think about that in a clinical way. And I think about it in a communication way. So ha- walk with me, help me understand sort of what this workflow look like and, and how incoming questions about my dog has diarrhea. What do I do? How, how does that get triaged? How does that get shared out through the practice?
1: Yeah, you're, you're speaking my language. I was a licensed technician before I went to veterinary school. So I made my living that way for uh, a number of years. I'll say, you know, more than more than two and less. Than 50, uh, before I went to vet school. <laughs> and so um, I, I really, like, I feel like the idea that we can empower and elevate the level of professionalism of the entire team is so important to us as a global profession, right? You can, every different state has their, you know, practice acts on who could do what, and that's not the point of today's conversation. Um, but I do think just the idea that A, we're allowing those team members to take that conversation to a level they're comfortable with. We're empowering them there. And we as veterinarians are supporting that. And But knowing I'm not going to put you in a situation that I feel like you're set up to fail, right? If you feel like there's a case that you can't handle, you just elevate it to the level of including me. Like, that's easy. That's a decision. I just want you to be able to handle the things you can handle so uh that's a sort of sidebar i'll get to your main question was like what does this sort of workflow look like including the team so for me um a sort of average case with those questions that come in from pet owners so it could be a phone call that comes in um, and we could outbound start the conversation in terms of that two-way texting right they'll call and say i just had this friday hey my dog just got in a fight with another dog do i need to come in right this minute it's five o'clock on a friday hey, hold on, let me send you a link, send me a picture, let's have a look at it, you know, those kinds of things. And so in that situation, my CSR was able to say, client A called, patient B, this is what's happening. The nurses were then able to jump on quickly and send a message and say, hey, I understand there was an altercation. Can you send us a picture or two? Pictures come across from the client in, you know, two minutes. I mean, it takes no time at all I can then go and take a look. The nurses have already looked and decided this doesn't need to come in the door, right? This is probably, this is a little puncture wound. This is some Mm -hmm. abrasions. And not to say that you can assess everything that way, but I can get a pretty good idea of what's going on with photos and video. Um, And then I can then make the decision of like, okay, can I prescribe some things here? What's the comfort level for me? And the even better yet is on the back end, a day, two days later, sort of doing the follow-up of how are things going? Any questions, any concerns? So- to me, that's kind of the perfect workflow of like the clients inbound either from a phone or for us most of the time they're inbounding like through the chat on our website, right? So they can essentially essentially hit the website and they can ask like, hey, I just need a med refill or, hey, I need to schedule an appointment or, hey, I have a, a virtual consult question. And so then they're kind of booking a time to do that, realizing there's going to be a charge associated with it. Our team is essentially trained to already pre-triage history questions. We have pre-made history questionnaires and those can be automated. Like you don't even have to do anything. Those can be already set to go. The technology exists right now to make all of that happen. So I have 85, 90% of my history questions. Then I can go with any follow-up that I need that the techs haven't been able to um, collect for me, talk to the pet owner, say, hey, how do we feel about this plan? Touch base with them, perfect. And then I'll sort of volley it back Okay, meds need to be filled. Here's what I need. Uh, they'll take care of all that. They'll finalize the invoicing, take care of that, take care of the pickup or whatever for the medications and sort of wrapped. So it, it really takes that amount of time that I would have been on the phone back and forth on the chart, maybe even going and filling the prescription myself. Right. Like we've all been in that yep. practice. Right leaving it at the back door, running the credit card, all those things that I've now taken from me doing 15 of those pieces to me doing two and the two that I'm most trained to do and that are most appropriate for me to do and allowing the rest of the team to be engaged um, and letting them sort of do their job to their level. So that's kind of what the average, I don't know if that gets to the crux of your question, but that's sort of what the average triage patient coming in looks like for
2: me. Yeah, no, it it, it does get to the crux of, of it. I, I definitely see how you sort of split this apart. Um, yeah, and, and it is... It is sort of, it sounds like meaningful work. Uh, do you work with clinics that um, are doing remote work right now? That's one of the things that, that I sort of saw during the pandemic. And that again, is one of the things I I've, I would like us to hold on as a profession is I see people who have virtual CSRs or they have, you know, people who have a home day and help out at the front desk, you know, one day a week from home. And I go, God, we, you know, we wrestle with burnout and we want people to be happy and we want them to be engaged. And we may have people who move away from where we are practicing and you go, but I don't want to lose him. He's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we've got these people who are starting to work remotely. Can you talk about that in the context of telemedicine and how that might work? Yeah,
1: I think uh, there are many, many people that are doing have done that right successfully for periods of times during pandemic. It was kind of forced on us. Right. And so there are um, a few ways, like to think about that. To your point, you could have a ha- half day at home or a home day for one or two of your team members for whatever reason they they choose that. They have some you know illness or something going on at home that they need to be home, and you can sort of help to keep them engaged in what's going on. And we're all working in a you know in sort of minute to minute you know internet based cloud based system, so we can see things minute to minute what's going on. And so the idea of us feeling disconnected without with being outside of the building, I think is less of an issue now than it once was. Um, Not to say that gives you the 100% transparency to what's going on, but it's pretty, it's pretty good. Like, you know, we kind of know. So I do think there are definitely practices still that have um, any level of staff, be that your CSRs, be that your inventory manager, be that your technical teams, be that your veterinarians that are having work from home days. And so where, uh, you know, the main practice that I work in, we're sort of like a one and a half, one and a three quarter doctor equivalent. We could easily have a couple half days a week, um, if not more, where one or the other of us does nothing but work from home and does teletriage or telemedicine cases. So that idea that we could have a veterinarian doing that is awesome. So that's one piece of it I think we could keep up. The Even better yet, in my mind, is I think how do we collaborate as veterinary teams whether that's within your practice, outside of your practice, there's different ways to think about that technology, but the technology does exist that we can still offer those services to our clients and to our patients when we're not available in the building. Now, this doesn't mean that I want people working 24-7. That's not at all what I'm saying, but there are ways you could harness your team and work shift hours here and there. You know, Maybe you decide, uh, okay, my nurses are going to be on call from 6 to 8 p.m., And they're just going to triage some of those cases and basically just find out for pet owners, does it need to come in right now or does it need to go to ER? Because that's mostly what people want to know. So those are things that we can really help to continue to empower. And you could do that within your teams and or there are um, ways that you could have outside teams come in and help you with that as well. So the concept of, you know, we used to have ER clinics that everybody kind of collaborated and, you know, sort of sent off and shared shared on call. It's kind of the same concept. It's just more in a, um, a virtual capacity.
2: What do you think is the key to getting veterinary teams to buy into programs like what we're talking about? So, Because, um, you know, so TeleVet specifically brings a lot of functionality to the table. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of things you can do with it. And I have no doubt that there are some practices that use a small amount of the functionality mm-hmm. that TeleVet has. And there's other ones that use it to its uh, to its full extent. People who are listening who are going, you know... I don't I have no idea how to talk to my team about this or you know it seems like such a fundamental change from what we have where we just take phone calls. Um what advice do you have for people who go okay, I would like to start deploying this in my practice and I just I do not know what what the support staff is going to say, or what the doctors are going to say, or how they're going to view this. What have you seen that makes practices successful?
1: Uh, well, I think ask your people <laughs> and show them. Like, what do you mean you like, say that? When, like, talk to your teams. Like, if you're in, if you're the veterinarian, veterinary owner, practice manager in a practice, and you feel like my team's a little stretched thin, uh, or we want to make a change, is there a way to sort of ask people like what's going well, what's not going well, right? And how do we take the things that are not going well? And I have some suspicions that many of practices are dealing with phone call volume and client volume, there's still a lot of things that we're dealing with. So how do we take those things and make them better, make them easier for you? And so it's this idea of change management and how do we help with that um, there are definitely clinics, to your point, that use like one piece of TeleVet. Maybe they're using TeleVet Flow for only the additional sort of phone line, right? You basically can have this um, logged in on your phone. You're not using your personal phone number, but you can have an extra phone line that looks like you're calling out from your clinic's phone number and you can still be communicating back and forth with your pet owners. So it gives you extra phone line right there. So maybe that's all the practice wants. Uh, I use more than that. Right. So we also use this whole entire like check in process for our um, surgical patients and our outpatient in terms of digital forms with electronic signatures. And, you know, maybe you want to take a deposit if you're doing ER work. Those are things that if I went back and asked my team now, like, hey, how do you feel about taking that iPad back out to the car and get or out to the exam room and getting the client to sign off on that? while you've got the jumping dog in the room Um, and then we check them in for surgery and then they can kind of go on their way versus what we're doing now is we're doing all that, you know, 12 to 24 hours ahead of time. And so when the pet owner gets there for drop off, it's like, here's the leash. I'm gone. Uh, My texts are going to say, no, (laughs) I don't ever want to go back. Like I want that always. So (laughs) um, and then on the on the flip side, the checkout, right? Like my surgery patients and whatever you've admitted hospitalized if they can check out before what I call happy hour, I don't know what you call that last hour or two of the day where all the med pickup is happening and all the mm-hmm. food and all those mm-hmm. things. Like <laughs> if those things can already be paid for and they're marked and literally all we need to do is hand them to the person when they get there, you know, if you're not allowing people in the building, that just makes the like actually getting out of work on time a whole lot easier for their teams as well. So um, yeah, there's a whole bunch of functionality and I think, um, I think you have to find what works for you and I think it's the fear of it is way worse than the actual process. If you can send a text message, you can 100% use this platform. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think one of the things for me so, so I, um, I had, uh, checked out Televet very early on in the pandemic, um, for the telemedicine component. Mm-hmm. And to see the growth that you guys have had has, has been incredible to me. And one of the things is very early on, um, Andy and I did a, did a podcast episode where we were talking about like, We've created some COVID protocols where we've literally just slapped the duct tape on the things, yep. right? Because we're just trying to hold the shit together yep. as it falls, actively is trying to fall apart, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like that yep. That was how we managed. And for I'm shocked, truly shocked every day when I check on all of the manager groups that I'm in and in the forums and how many clinics are still in that duct tape phase. Like they're, we're a year, almost a year and a half into this, and yet they are still Clinging on mm-hmm. to the edge of the ledge with their fingertips and trying to figure out how to put duct tape on things. And what I loved about Telvet when I saw the newest version um, and saw all of the change and growth that Flow had gone through was how I felt like it really took the duct tape off a lot of the things that my my own clinic and my own team, we had implemented using five or six different services. And platforms because it was the easiest at the time and it made it the fastest to slap that duct tape onto. It took those things and brought it into one ecosystem, right? And it let us look at how do we, how do we start to look at this? Not from the perspective of what is it going to be like when we go back to the way that it was and really force us as a team to look through a completely different lens, which is there is no old. No, going back, mm-hmm. right? There's no going back to the old normal. We have to create a new normal. Mm-hmm. And so how do we look at that from the perspective of what really works? What works for the team? What works for the clients? What is working for the clinic as a whole? And how do we now make that much prettier than the duct tape mess that we made it you know, 12 months ago, yeah. right? Yeah. Like that's, that's where I think a lot of us are you at. You have
1: like a login sheet at, next to your phones that are like, here's the login for Jot Forms and DocuSign and yep. Google Docs and, yeah. you know, like all the things <laughs> and like all the different ways to pay. <laughs> and now it's like, hey, you can do this in one, you know, sort of more streamlined way that mm-hmm. uh, again, it's just mm-hmm. nicer for my brain because we all know that like, uh, the the mental leak that comes from that multitasking kind of jumping from one to another you know you just yeah. you you do lose some yeah. brain energy there every time that happens for sure so uh, yeah there's no perfect thing out there yet but i i i hope that what we've created and and you know always open to feedback in terms of like what's working for clinics and to your point like it has this massive capability and massive flexibility which is awesome because it means It can work for a single mobile practice or it can work in a university setting like we have several universities that are using this with students and with, you know, again, think about all the additional faculty that are engaged in that process. It gets a little bit more convoluted than if you're, you know, driving around in a truck as a solo practitioner. Um, Right. But that's also makes it really hard to describe to people sometimes like, yeah, it can sort of do everything. But also like. It kind of depends what you want to use it for. You know, there's a whole lot of flexibility it, in yeah. there. So um, that's great. And it's also makes it really hard to describe sometimes.
2: It's a it's a super flexible tool, which, uh, which yeah, it, it everyone's going to have to adapt a little bit to mm-hmm. what's going to serve them best. To to that end, um, do you see practices that are changing uh, the way that they schedule appointments or things for doctor communication? You know, I, I get a lot of questions about mm-hmm. that when we sort of talk about telemedicine or... or um, Yeah, digital communication with clients and people go, well, Andy, how how does that fit into the day? And so let me put that to you and say, Jen, like how do... Does this fit into the day?
1: Yeah, I think um, like a lot of things, it sort of depends on your practice and your style. Like for me and my workflow, I'm pretty comfortable just kind of grabbing things ad hoc, ad hoc right, as they come in. Mm-hmm. Um, you may not be that style. Like I realize my personality style is different than others. Um, some people may set aside, okay, I'm going to have two hours a day or an hour a day that this is the block that you can put telemedicine cases in for me. So the team knows as the phone calls come in. 11, 1115, 11, 1130, these are the times I can kind of book back to back to back for those for you to be kind of dedicated to do those things. Um, that's another way places do it. The other is, again, having somebody completely off site handling it. Right. Like there you don't have to physically be in the building. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing you brought up, which I think is a great point, and I it sometimes slips my mind, is this concept of like passing cases back and forth, like think about an ER or think about in a, um, I do relief work, right? Think about when you walk into a practice and I've worked on a patient and there's follow-up lab work or something that's coming. Like, I'm happy to be engaged in that the next day, but I might be off and running to the next thing and I may not be in the office. And so how do you pretty quickly sort of pass that off? And it's really easy to just basically change the ownership, if you will, of the conversation from one person to another or circle an extra person in, sort of thinking like a group text, right? You just add someone in and then you can subtract them away. I don't need to be involved as a veterinarian when the conversation around the payments are happening, but I do want to be involved in anything that has to do with like the medical decisions that are happening. So it's really easy for me to say, I've seen this patient. Here's everything that's going on. There's an internal discussion. So I can put internally my soap notes or whatever that looks like. Here's what I'm thinking as far as differentials. Here's what I'm prescribing. And then I can um, either leave that conversation open and include myself. Or what I typically do is sort of reassign that to whoever's going to pick it up, you know, the next shift. And that way I'm out of the loop. I can still 100% look at that conversation if I want to, um, but I'm not getting the ding notifications every time a chat's coming through. So like it has that full transparency, but it also kind of has this um, toggle on and off, or sort of snoozing, if you don't want to see everything. You don't have to, because you know, notification overload is a thing.
0: Well, that's one of the things that I'm I'm so glad that you brought this up, Jen, because when I um, when I was looking at Flow, mm-hmm. one of the challenges for my clinic was we found the tools that would let us do the external communications, right? Mm-hmm. So we had, we, we had ZipWhip, we were texting with clients. We are using our app with Vet2Pet. Like we, we have the tools for communicating outwardly with the clients, even doing the video chat and the telemedicine. Our problem was you have a huge disconnect then between the outgoing communication and the inward communication with the pimps, right? So then somebody has to duplicate all of that outgoing information into the PIMS. And then I have to send an instant message or I have to send a Slack message or an email saying, hey, look at this chart. And what I loved about TeleVet was that somebody finally zoomed out and said, this is idiotic. All of this stuff should be able to be (laughs) connected. I don't think I was involved (laughs) in that conversation. I may have been. (laughs) All of this stuff should be able to be connected. And we should start thinking smartly about How does this stuff exist, coexist together? Because there are independent pieces that we want in the PIMS that we don't necessarily Mm -hmm. want in, you know, sometimes we're having a communication with a client and I'm like, I'm not, that doesn't, that's not relevant. Doesn't need to go into the chart. Mm -hmm. So I loved that perspective of like, I could now all of a sudden capture that communication outwardly with the client, but I also could take some of that internal communication that was really targeted and directed to patient care and take it out of an app that we may have been forcing, um, square peg round hole. Mm-hmm. right? Like I'm trying to use Slack to do some of that communication out of necessity because it was what we were already using, but it wasn't necessarily the best place to have those patient conversations. And so I love that Televet brings it all together so that you have that zoomed out view of like, yes, this is outward facing mm-hmm. and it's also polishing or for a lot of practices, solving the internal challenges that we hadn't even begun to address yet. And there's a I mean, I think that's a great
1: point in the idea of like, how can I pass that back and forth between my team and everybody this way? There's no um, peeking out the door and, you know, the exam room door and being like, hey, I need a nurse. Right. Like I can just leave right. my notes of like, this is what I want for this patient and I can walk away. I trust that my team is looking at this. I can assign it to them and they're going to pick it up and run with it. Right. I know they know how to do their jobs. Um, and. There's a potential like liability side of this too, in terms of like down the road, I now have a record that this has happened. You know, I mean, you can, we've all had those moments where you're like, you hand over discharge instructions for something. And the pet owner gets home and they're like, what e-collar? You didn't tell me anything about an e-collar, right? Like, Right. Um It's right. It's, it's written here. Here's the thing. And oh, by the way, I asked you, did you receive that and read it? And you said yes. So like there are some pieces there that I think are yeah. a little bit protective for us as a team as well. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you hate to have to think that way, but we do. I mean, we have to we have to be clear in our communication right amongst ourselves and externally and and all of that conversation is in sort of one place so it's not you're jumping from social to email to like a phone call message like Mm -hmm. it's in a time Mm -hmm. stamped like it just sort of feeds in a time stamp way like a, a text message would so you can kind of like look back and go okay i see what was happening here this kind of makes sense to me now
0: oh man i i am super I'm super excited about this whole conversation because like the both of you, I love the technology and I, this whole idea of just embracing the fact that there's no going back. Mm -hmm. We can't, we can't, it's too, it's too broken, right? Like the the Mm -hmm. cup is very broken and we need to figure out how do we move forward in a new way. And it's so exciting to me to finally see so many of our colleagues embracing technology and moving into the current millennia mm-hmm. and, yeah. and, and, in on their own terms, right? Like recognizing it is not a one size fits all approach. And there are some clinics out there that literally just need the extra phone line. Mm-hmm. And like you said, Jen, want, want to be able to have it come from the clinic and have the conversation and have it documented and move on with their day that's, that's fine. Mm-hmm. And yet we are starting to see more and more technology um, pop up that is really looking at solving the challenge of all of these vet hospitals are as different as night and day. Right. How do I help meet them where they're at?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that. I, I really think the world is messy mm-hmm. and vet medicine is messy and I, I have pretty much given up on the idea that there is a one-size-fits-all solution that, quote-unquote, we are going to do. And I go, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think, I think practices are going to continue to differentiate themselves. And I think you're going to see a lot of different things happening in the coming years. And I think having flexible tools that support that I, I think are, are, are really important. But, um, but yeah, I, I definitely I, – I, I'm kind of in a place right now, sort of post-pandemic, where I'm, I'm kind of tired of hearing about everything that's wrong – and I'm really ready to talk about what can be and what is possible in the future and what people can pick up and start doing and are doing now. And like that gets that conversation gets me expired and excited as opposed to let's rehash again everything that's bad. I, I'm just not, I'm not interested in that anymore. Uh, I, I'm, I'm totally ready to yeah. to talk about what people are actually doing uh, and what what is possible.
1: It's moving from the like what I call it's like moving the questions from the why to the what to the how. So like, Why is this happening to me? And moving it into like, okay, what can I do about it? And how am I going to do it? Right. Like, that's got that forward, like, there's action orienting, like, you're pushing towards something versus like, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to sit here and spin and be frustrated about what's happening. Like,
2: oh, yeah. Right. We talk a lot about that. Yeah. We talk a lot about that on the podcast whenever we get into headspace conversations Mm -hmm. and things like that. And it, you know, I am very much a root cause analysis guy which means I do the five fold why and I, and I you know I try to drill into what is causing this because mm-hmm. that is really important but you have got to bounce off of that like you should do it I am a big believer in it you got to bounce off of of why over to what are we going to do yep. how are we going to do it yep. and and I'm ready to live in the and what are we going to do and how are we going to do it uh area for a lot more or for a lot mm-hmm. more time
0: yeah especially if it includes fun, new technology. I'm, I'm all on board. I'm all in on that.
1: You just want the shiny (laughs) object. Is that what I'm hearing? You just want the new (laughs) thing. Um, there's, you know, lots of places we could really, I mean, gosh, we, we could revolutionize how we're educating people, how we're educating clients, Mm -hmm. how we're educating Mm -hmm. technicians and veterinarians. Like there's just so many things in my mind of like, this could go some amazing places like integrating with pet insurance. And I mean, yeah, so uh, don't, Mm -hmm. don't get me started.
2: Yeah. Well, that, but that's, that's, but that's the exciting part, right? Like that's, that's where yes. I want to live right now mm-hmm. is very yes. much go, okay, uh, this is how we're starting to com- communicate with clients and we can do this more and we can do this better and we can leverage our text. But then you start to say, well, how do we do client education if we're not in the exam room? Cause that's yep. traditionally where we've done it. And I go, Oh, we can do that. Mm-hmm. And I will mm-hmm. tell you, the answer is not take what we do in the exam room and communicate it digitally. Cause that sucks. And it's right. boring, you know, it's to say, yeah. okay, given that we're using a digital space, Let's figure out how to ideally educate people on a digital platform and then make that. And that can be uh, fun videos that your practice makes, you know, uh, that's veterinarians doing little subject podcasts for their own clients to say, hey, here's me talking about diabetes and a cat. And, you know, here's a quick video and we're going to do it. And, you know, like there's just so much cool digital stuff where if you're already communicating on the phone, you send them a link mm-hmm. to the educational video that you and your technician made on how you do this thing uh, or the importance of whatever. And, and you just, it's, I don't know, it's, um, it's just next level. And I just think that there's so many opportunities for really efficient communication beyond the client sits in a chair in the corner. And I talk to them possibly with the aid of a plastic model.
1: Yeah, I want to <laughs> I want to just like be at that point where we're, you know, again, we're re-seen and we're continue to be seen as like we are the experts in all things animal. Right. So we need yeah. to grab hold of that and and really embrace that as much as we can. So our clients will respect that. We just have to honor yes. that bond.
2: Uh-huh. Awesome. Jen, thanks for being here with yeah. us today. This has been really great. I really enjoy it. Yeah,
0: thank you so much. So, Jen, I know that some of our um, listeners, my manager friends in particular, <laughs> are sitting here going, holy cow, I got to check this out. Where can they find out more information about Televet?
1: Well, probably from you. Um, <laughs> so, that might be one place. Just message Stephanie. No, I'm kidding. Uh, if you, <laughs> you, can, <laughs> you can just check out Tele- call Tele- her, TeleVet at five, 555. Yeah, right.
2: uh-huh.
1: <laughs> I'll put it on blast. What's her number again? And just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you can just visit TeleVet.com. There's a ton of really good information on there. If you want a demo, you can talk to somebody, you know, get a get a video walkthrough on what that looks like. Um, kind of starting to get to the point of maybe doing some hospital visits, you know, for onboardings and things. But that sort of depends on where everybody's level of comfort and level of vaccinations and all sure. those things are at. But I think the world is starting to to reopen a bit. So, um, yeah, check out yeah. TeleVet.com and you can for sure find all kinds of information there. You're welcome to welcome to hunt for me as well, um, but I'm not going to have all the strategic questions that some of the rest of the team may have.
0: I can talk about the nuts and bolts, what it's like to use it every day for sure. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. This was great. Yeah, thanks. Well, that's it for another episode, you guys. Thanks so much for joining us again this week. We hope you enjoyed the conversation with Dr. Jen just as much as we did. If you'd like to find out more about TeleVet, you can always find them at TeleVet.com. And we would love to hear from you guys. Um, If you have something that you would like to hear us talk about on an upcoming episode, please send us a note. You can find the mailbag at UnchartedVet.com forward slash mailbag. And if you have a moment, we would also love to hear from you through a podcast review. You can review us wherever you get your podcast, And we so appreciate you taking a moment to leave us your feedback. It really does matter. Thanks so much, you guys. Have a great week and we'll see you again next time.